Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Rich and Bolelli are back for our monthly chat, and as L.A. burns for the second time in less than a year, our thoughts turn towards helping our species to survive, because if we all die, no one will care whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. Also, the odd story of the 16th century astronomer Tycho Brahe, the genius of Taekwondo class, and the only way to master everything. <laughs> Here we go. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast, episode 145. Clicking right away. Across from me, as always, is my pal Daniele Bolelli. Welcome. Hello. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, quick thank you to the folks who keep the lights on. Yes. Blue Chew, Blue Chew. What you gonna do without your Blue Chew? Or gonna make your lady mad at you? I like it. Yeah, I think it's not it's not perfect yet, but I'm working on it. I like it. You like the blue chew too. I definitely do that. So both Rich and I are uh, fans of this wonderful peel that come in the mail. How about no uncomfortable visits to the doctor? Yes, you don't have just everything done online. Yep. You get this chewable thing that start putting into your system something that make all the blood go into the right places and put make little, put a little lead in your pencil yes indeed and make uh, male sexuality get a second life so <laughs> yeah man uh, it's i don't five out of six grandpas <laughs> tell you it's a go well i'm sure the grandpas will experience something they haven't experienced in 25 years <laughs> But even for, we're not quite at the grandpa stage, so no. we're not having, you know, we, for, uh, in this case, it's not exactly that we are having a, a problem. It's more of a... Enhancement. Is, exactly. This is making things easier and better and more efficient. So, like the turn back time to the good old days. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's great. They're excellent. It's a, you, you go online, you fill out a nice little set of questions. They have a real live doctor check it out. And when he blesses you with an okay, it comes in the mail. For our listeners, it is the joyful offer that they give us. Uh, you get to try it for free. Or rather, the only thing you pay for is shipping. So $5 for shipping, that's it. And other than that, you get to try it for free using the promo code DRUNK, D-R-U-N-K. Promo code DRUNK. And, you know, Rich and I, every time we mention Blue Chew, we can't, we never fail to have this goofy, stupid smile on our faces because the effect is glorious. It's good. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if you guys try it, 
Happy partner, happy life. Good times are ahead. So I strongly, strongly recommend. I mean, this is how much we like it. We even did some Bluetooth spots when we, they didn't order us. They didn't order a sponsorship at all for that episode. We're like, yeah, we'll do it anyway. Better because do it it's anyway. just good Don't stuff. Them to, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where we are. <laughs> I'm a believer. All right. Who's next? Omnit. Omnit is about to have their Black Friday sale, which is the biggest sale of the year they have with like tons of discounts on lots of products. So check them out. Omnit.com forward slash black. There's a dash in between and then the word Friday. So Omnit.com Black Friday. Lots and lots and lots of discounts out there. There's, you know, there may be products that you're like, ah, I would like to check it out, but it's a little out of budget. It may not be right now for Black Friday sale. That's why every that's like really like where they make the bulk of what they make in for quite a while is made during that sale because a bunch of people wouldn't be able to try. They just stock up during Black Friday and that's how they do it. By God, I'm getting my Iron Man kettlebells. That's all there is to it. Time to make I've it waited happen. long enough. Mark Chang uh, got that kettlebell and that had somebody paint it in all the colors, oh. in the red and uh, gold colors in Iron Man style. Well, that must so. be quite an endorsement for them, the king of the kettlebells. Right, to have Mark Chang. Yeah, they are awesome. And as we can see over here, there's like a collection of Savannah has been, Savannah has actually has been rehabbing her injuries with kettlebells and has worked like a charm. That 40 pound cannonball just looks like a toe injury waiting to happen. Yeah, the way you do it is funny. It's like it was interesting to see Savannah train with them because she didn't do it in the big kettlebell swings, which is what kettlebells are famous for. She would do it under good old Mark Chang uh, guidance with this ridiculously slow movement where she would pick up a heavy kettlebell and barely move it at all and just walk maybe 20 feet, taking three minutes to walk 20 feet. Just really? complete stability, just barely moving, just keeping everything steady and locked in. And that started strengthening uh, muscle, tendons, everything around their injuries in a way that kind of keep stuff together, make much better, avoid dislocation, avoid things that are kind of inevitable when you fight but you won't look cool at the gym but, not swinging them around right uh, this stuff is awesome so yeah savannah is a believer in this big time but uh so yeah man kettlebell on it.com ever just about everything else huge discounts check them out um ds gear uh for datsusara bunch of i'm still waiting for my damn hoodie the Datsusara hood is one of my favorite pieces of uh, things to wear. It's been out of stock. It shall be back, but not yet. So keep your eyes out. But in the meantime, there's a lot of cool other stuff. <laughs> and the sure design t-shirts with the coolest, funkiest t-shirts on the planet. And of course, with our own t-shirts, the four of the Drunken Taoist t-shirts that we have released. For those, you can check our website. The link is in the episode notes. That'd they be are, a hell of a present for a fan. They are all Awesome. I wear them all the time. Am I wearing one now? Yeah, ah! I am wearing one now. Drunken Taoist logo in gray. I have it on right now. In short design material. Shout out to Snow Roast Coffee Roasters out of Colorado. These guys are uh, one small batch at a time over a mile high. Uh, it's good stuff, man. You go on their website. They let you know exactly what they have in stock. The second people order them and they are out of stock, they tell you. So only the stuff that's up for purchases is up there. Snowroast.com. If you use the code, uh, we have multiple codes. I think I have one for History on Fire, but the one we use for Drunken Taoists is T-A-O, very appropriately, Tao. 
the number 18 and you get a 15% discount. That always confuses me. I'm not sure why it's Tau 18 for a 15%. Because it's the year 18. They're keeping track of all the sales. Right. For but this. Tau 18, you got a 15% discount. Snowrost.com. Never tap gear. Uh, check out Savannah designed this amazing rash guard. I love it, love it, love it. Nothing like having a female samurai carrying a severe severed head. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? A severely severed head. Severely severed, yes, that one. No, it's a beautiful painting with delicate colors and happen to have a severed head. But okay, on that note, uh, almost Christmas, please use our Amazon link. That would be sweet. Uh, that thing has pretty much disappeared lately. I don't know if people forgot to do it or what's going on or Amazon change. I'm not sure what it is, but if you are still shopping on Amazon, you are doing Christmas shopping there, please use our link. And on that note, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Check out how one of my days started in, uh, I forgot how long ago. It was not that long ago. So it was morning. It was pretty early, close to the time when the alarm would go off and I have to go wake up Isabella and all of that. And I was dreaming that Savannah was breaking up with me. So I'm already sad, right? I'm just like, I'm in this super sad dream. And then I didn't get to stay in this dream too long, though, because before the alarm went on, it was still horrendously early, but Isabella came to me, waking me up, to let me know that she had a massive diarrhea attack, and the dog has just puked on the carpet. Is this still the dream, I hope? If I No, none of this was the dream, but the, the only part of the dream was, was the just breakup. the breakup. All, all and the then the reality functions. was being waken up from the dream for... Isabella's oh. diarrhea attack and dog puking on the carpet. I'd like to go back into the breakup dream. Now, I know. Please. It was kind of like, welcome to the day. Today is going to be an amazing day. Oh. I was like, what the? This is how, you're gonna, this, is how this day is going to start, really? This, if I was a blues or a country musician, I would just have it. I would come out with the greatest song ever at this point. Diarrhea and baby vomit. <laughs> Ain't how I wanted to start my day. Yeah. But at least I know I'm pretty certain it's not going to end up this way. I don't know. There's a song in there somewhere. I dig it. What? As the Beatles would say, it's getting better all the time. Yeah. It couldn't get no worse. So maybe sort of a promising setup that. Right. How? I wouldn't wish for it. No. Because clearly the universe will find a way to make oh, it yeah. 30 course. times worse parking ticket on the car as you walk out but that was uh that was the start of the day which is like come on you know if it's one okay one happens all the time two annoying three in a row come on what yeah. are we doing here and you can't just go back to bed because you got stuff to do yes of course well fun stuff to do start with cleaning up the dog's puke that yeah. would be step number one yeah i'm looking at you as the defiler he's really cute 
He's really cute, and he just, he think I'm his pillow. Even right now, as we're podcasting, the old eight and a half pounds of the viciousness that is Azog the Defiler is just laying on me, passed out. He just think I'm the most comfortable bad ever. And he's sort of charging horsey. You know, you see him, he's like, oh, what a nice animal. Boom, that's when he gets you. Yeah. It's Azog the danger. He has this... Um, fuzzy bowl that he likes in more ways than one excuse me yes because he um you know sometimes like savannah is taking the dog with her to san diego so i haven't seen him for three days he come back he runs he's like oh sweet he's happy to see me he promptly ran inside pass right by me and just start humping his bowl because it's uh you know, we have. I think we're, I've got to have to get him some sex toys for Christmas because that seems He's to be what is. Yeah, he does. Does but he have I think, any complaint? Does he bark at it later? No. Put bad ball. No, but I think he's getting a little overly passionate, so he's ripping it apart. Oh. I think we are going to need some sturdier sex toys for it's, him. It's funny. Uh, my mother had a tiny chihuahua who just recently passed away, and for 16 years, Humpy Bear put up with whatever she was, whatever she was dealing with. Oh, great. So there's all sorts of confusion going on. Fun. And she would hump him, and then she'd bark at him. So it was a definitely a pretty normal relationship. Right. It's like sound like most but people's marriage. I know. I just look at Humpy Bear and feel so bad for him. Like, here he is, willing, whatever, whenever. Yep. No questions. Yes, ma'am. Whatever. And then get yelled at. I think there's a whole business plan right there in, like, <sighs> sex toys for dogs. Oh my That's God. That's the. All right, we're cutting that out because when that comes out, the way people. Uh, what is What are your thoughts of dogs in restaurants? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it depends. It's like if your dog is super well behaved and you know they it tend and to never. not be, though. But and no, these people exactly. never realize that no, either. Of course. And, uh, man. I'm morally offended even that there are most people in restaurants because. Yeah, that's what they already suck and they sneeze yeah. and all sorts of stuff anyway, but. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't want Sometimes your dog's dander. I know it's your best friend. And but, yeah, there's... Perhaps there should be a section, you know, in the olden days. Right. There used to be something called a smoking section. Right. And if you were going to have your filthy smoke, which still wafted over into the rest it. of the room, you were placed over there. Maybe, just maybe, someone ought to test out a damn dog section. Right, where they have, especially if he's your 150-pound uh, Great Dane. Who's oh, but he's little... so well-behaved. Yeah, yeah, that may be And I'm not fake. anti-dog, I get it. Right. But I don't get it. Yeah. What do you think, Kazog? Well, you can hide him in your... In he your, doesn't care. He's in your Joe Rogan fanny pack. So. Yeah, he's tiny. He doesn't count. He's not a dog. A he's a cute dog. creature, but he's not a dog. And you're right. You know, the big ones tend to be well-behaved. It's these sort of mid-level mutts yeah. with uh, disorders that are usually, oh, it's my, my you know, travel companion. What do they call that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, freak-out dog. Uh, oh, that doesn't make somebody mad. There's words for it. And I can't, I'm not thinking of it. Well, uh, <sighs> assistance something no I forgot in any case but yeah I know what you're talking about and I think part of the problem is also when the dog may be totally nice but when the other dog comes by suddenly yes. it's fight time and it's it. yeah that becomes an issue he's never locked that at home yeah of course you're just saving it all for us but well I dreamed that there was a special dog section over in the corner so that would be y'all can have your dogs over there and preferably they don't do like mine and they greet the beginning of the day by puking on your carpet because that's 
And Less. a hump in your ball. Well, the ball, uh, it's his girlfriend. I, I don't question the relationship. The ball doesn't seem to mind, nor no. should we. exactly. <laughs> It's rant time. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Let me find what we are going to rant about. As we sit in the shadow of the smoke clouds rising in the distance, it's rant time again. And the fires are burning and it's crazy. Well, speaking of environmental issues, that seemed like a good... Because, uh, yeah, LA, as we currently sit down to record, is burning there are, I mean, almost every single year, October, this is a little late, it's in November, usually in October there are fires because, you know, dryness of Southern California, before the wet season begins, somebody throws if, a if match it, out the window, if, if it ever begins, somebody throws a match out and the whole place goes up in flames, which is never fun. So They seem to wait for the day when the 60 mile an hour winds show up, I wonder why that is. Yeah, that's never good. But maybe because the other ones start, but they don't go anywhere. Yeah. Or somebody's setting them up intentionally. That also happens. I don't know. People are trying to escape Malibu right now. Yeah, not good. On the other side of the of United States, on the opposite end in Florida. Now, there has been this thing going on for quite a while. Um, red Tide. Yes, indeed. Oh. Red Tide. Which, do you want to, for the non-scientifically minded folks, do you want to break down what Red Tide is? Essentially, they discovered Florida, which is a lot of agriculture. Um, companies have been enticing farmers to use more and more and more and more and more fertilizer than you would ever possibly need to make your plants grow properly. And... <laughs> What happens is it rains, and a lot of this comes off of the fields, into the streams, into the rivers, and off into the ocean. And over, I guess it's probably been going on 15 years now, mm -hmm. but it gets worse and worse and worse. And what happens is all this great nutrient gets out into the shallows of the ocean, and all sorts of crazy algaes and, and different sorts of critters grow so fast and so hungrily that they suck all the oxygen out of the water and release toxins as well. I don't know if the toxins are as bad as the, uh, the zero oxygen, but one way or another, millions of fish are killed yep. every year. Dolphin, manatee. That's the toxins. People, I mean, if you spend too long yep. on the beach, it's horrendously, the air quality is horrendously bad. It's just straight up poisonous. And they just let it go and go and go. And it's no mystery. It wasn't like, I wonder how the hell this is happening. They've known about this for a long time. Yeah, because I mean, the red tide is naturally occurring, sure. But in a bonsai version of what this is, this monster red tide is exactly as Rich said, is because... Chem chemical runoff, usually from uh, fertilizer in agriculture, that's one of them. There's a septic tank, you know, they oh, yeah. used to have for a bunch of boats in Florida, or not just the boats, but for septic tanks, they would have to be regularly inspected to make sure that nothing was seeping through into the water system, which would then contribute to the growth of this algae. 
they, thanks to the joys of that philosophy that is deregulation, they decided to cut down all the money allocated to inspect the septic tanks. The result is that many septic tanks are way too old. Yep. And so they start leaking all this stuff that leads to the growth of all this algae. You got the sugar industry that, yes, it's a big deal in Florida. It's important for the economy, but because of it's so powerful, it has so much money, they are able to not have to stick to so many strict regulations because of the money they can pour into politicians' coffers. Well, and the sad part is, I mean, the, the regulations would really only affect the people selling the fertilizer. You, you only yeah. need a tenth at the most of what they're using with this powerful stuff. And the way they use it is sloppy, too, just sort of spray it on yeah. the ground. There's something called slit farming now where you don't till everything up so you maintain the integrity of the soil because the things living inside the soil are way more important than anything you put into it. They sure. have a measurement now where you can take your soil, dry it out, and then you put it into a test tube and you drop some water in it. And the first breath that the millions of microbes that already live in the soil... Yeah. That tells how healthy your soil is. Right. And this fertilizer just kills all that stuff. Of course. Burns it. But the plants manage to, you know, get their nutrients that way. Yeah. But they don't care. And it's like, well, if I can sell 20 gallons to them, I might as well sell 200 gallons to them. What was it? Uh, idiocracy? Yeah. Gatorade. It's the electrolytes. Exactly. The plants like it. They love it. Yeah. It's like. We're yeah. almost there. We were totally we're almost there. Way past yeah, actually. it's uh, President Camacho and uh, the... <laughs> who would be preferable? I know. It's. I mean, this whole thing is kind of like, and I think that's the problem. That to me is like this is obscene because yes, there is a naturally occurring problem that would happen anyway. A tide would happen anyway, but it would probably be ten percent of what it is today. The rest is completely man-made and it's completely preventable, by the way, because these are all things that it doesn't mean you have to kill the sugar industry. It doesn't mean that nobody can have septic tanks anymore. It doesn't mean that you can farm. You can still farm. You can still have septic tanks. You can still have the sugar industry. Yep. Despite all this, you can do it in a way that's a little more tightly regulated so you do not end up with all this crap into the ocean that's essentially killing the Florida coastline. And know? they've known this. This yes. isn't like, well, what the hell? It's great. No, they've known exactly what's caused it for a decade. Absolutely. And Governor Rick Scott, soon to be maybe, maybe not Senator Rick Scott, has been complicit to every bit of it. Absolutely. And I think that's what gets the part that's obscene is the way in which money in politics... Take a situation that's a no-brainer, because this obviously is not a liberal or conservative issue. Anybody who has lungs does not want to have red tide into their ocean. Or anybody who lives in Florida that, that maybe the ocean has something to do with their livelihood, yeah. like a big, huge chunk of them. Precisely. Fishermen, tourists, guys selling kayak rentals. I mean... So it should be a no-brainer. Like, it's one of the things that we all agree on, right? Whether you are super religious, super atheist, super liberal, super conservative. Clean water? Yeah. You know, not get poisoned is, is a plus. However, because of the influence of money in politics, clearly the people who should make these decisions to protect everybody else decide to, eh, I'll, I'll look like the good guy on the next decision. This one, I'm getting too much money to look mm -hmm. the other way. And then you demonize the folks who are like, oh, you're just some crazy tree hugger wanting all the clean water and everything. Look at, look at these folks trying to make the government tell you what to do again. 
Well, what we're trying to tell the government to tell you to do is use less fertilizer. It's going to cost you less money. Yeah. You're still going to get the same effects. And we're not going to destroy the coastline yeah. yearly. And I mean, these aren't little tiny. It's not 10 no. miles. It's like a giant chunk of coastline. And it goes all up along the Gulf of Mexico as well. A former guest of ours, Sara Frazetta, the granddaughter of Frank, who ran Frazetta Girls, I've been like, her Facebook feed has been nonstop on this issue because she lives there. So yeah. she sees it on a regular basis. And she said it just is beyond obscene because it's a completely preventable crisis that nobody bothers to prevent because all the people who are in the positions of power essentially pay to look the other way, which is beyond obscene. Now, here is one of the scenes that drives me crazy. You know, when you look at all the political outrage on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the social media, I see nonstop people bitching about things that are not even... I wouldn't put it in the top 300 issues that are problematic today. It's like, you know, there are crazy purple-haired feminist white men. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. When we get, you know, after we fix the oceans, after we fix the, the, you know, recently Brazil, just like some guy who plans on cutting left and right the rainforest. After we fix those issues, sure, I'm sure that at problem number 300, we can talk about the purple-haired feminists, but are we really down to... Oh, man, we got to stop the, the, the caravan of, uh, of, of evil foreigners coming up. I noticed that story vanished the day the election showed of up. Of course. It's... That's madness. The shit that people decide to make a priority is very puzzling to me. It's like, are we really fighting about transgender bathrooms? This is what the big fight is. Or, you know, gender pronouns. That's where it's... Someone asked me that on an application the other day. What did they say? Which, which identity do you want? You're he, she, or yeah. they, or whatever. Yeah, I know. I, to me, it's My like... My was, really? And, and this exactly is the problem. In this case, both some segments of the left and some of the right in that regard is like the people who make this a huge issue are fucking it up because they are taking the eyes away from the prize in terms of making... You know, how about we care to the things that are essentially important to people surviving in the future? And clean not, air, clean yeah. water, a climate that's not spiraling out of control. Yep. An educational system that actually teaches people things, doesn't just teach us some tests that my brother-in-law gives the tests, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bizarre. Does it feel like it's too late? And I think that that's what pissed me off about a lot of the political commentary that I see. Even the so-called smart people, I'm just like, this is what we're talking about. Are we really talking about these things that are in the great scheme of things are known issues? I mean, I don't want to trivialize because I'm sure they are important in their own ways to a 0.1%. But when you compare it to an ocean dine, I think maybe we want to focus on the ocean dine a little more and a little less about are you using the proper gender pronoun or the opposite is are you you're trying to repress my rights because you're telling me that I have to use this other gender pronoun I'm like are you fucking kidding me this is not in the top really 300 issues I would worry about yeah the political correctness is crazy political correctness and all the people who make a living bashing political correctness to me is like yeah. it's the same industry it is they're the same person they're and the mirror image of themselves doing the same worthless time wasting arguments about nothing to me the ones that drive me crazy is the ones that are not even a good discussions that are just to me they are smoke screens to oh look at the shiny object over here while the real big stuff that's seriously concerning regarding survival of humanity we're not even talking about it 
I'm like, dude, let's have a scale of what the problems are here. You know, it's like one is a problem for real. The other is, uh, yeah, once you have solved every single problem on earth, perhaps we can decide to talk about that. But I don't know. I, I was reading it. a scary article. The guy who wrote uh, Sapiens and Ex Machina, his new book is examining our ignorance of AI that we argue about these trivial things right now that 10 years from now will be like, why weren't we looking at any of this? I know, exactly. That's and, and I think that's my point is I don't care what you argue as far as the, what your political positions are. Let's figure, let's reframe the priorities. Let's look at what the issues that really are essential for human happiness and human survival are. Let's keep the eyes on those. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is uh, getting lost, chasing the wrong target there is not what you want to want is not the one you want to aim for because you have limited time and energy and so about we focus on the big ones and to me to me it's so obvious that environmental issues are center stage because they are the very stuff that make life on earth possible yeah. so it's like it doesn't get any more important so to me, it's like, how about we look at, start with that, you know, clean water, yeah. the food that we put in our mouths, the, and, that, and that's the way we overfish one. the ocean and don't pay any attention to it. We just, of we course. just tear it apart. There's no sort of making sure that there's enough for next year. Yeah, survival of ecosystems. That's what it boils down to, totally. right? And it's like that way, in, in that ecosystem, you can be ultra conservative, ultra liberal. You can be religious. You can be atheist. You can be gay. You can hate gay. But there is a field there in which you can play. There is an ecosystem that allows the survival of all these things. Yeah. Without the survival of an ecosystem, none of this shit matters. It just completely... Let me dig up, actually. There are a couple of brilliant Game of Thrones quotes that seem to be about other stuff, and they are in the context of, uh, of the show, but they apply so perfectly to what we are talking about here, right? There's one where good old Sir Davos say... If we don't put aside our N... How do you pronounce this word? Ooh, what do we got? <clears throat> Enmities. So, which is a fancy way of saying not liking each other and rivalry and shit. So I'll stick to rivalry because at least I can pronounce that. So <laughs> if we don't put aside our rivalries and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. Right? It's like... Yeah, there are bigger things that are little petty political fights. They are they are way more important. None of that shit matters. And part of the reason why it's so hard to get it done is provided by a quote in the very same episode by Mister Tyrion Lannister, who says, in a beautiful pity way, he says, "People's minds aren't made for problems that large," which is. Isn't that the truth? You know, it's that like some some problems are just damn hard. Day to day scale, where you're worried about cleaning up the dog diarrhea and don't really have time to worry about the White Walkers. Yeah, some things are because you know when you're talking about fixing the our relationship with the environment, f making sure that ecosystem remain uh, sustainable. 
you're not talking about fixing one little problem. You're talking about fixing 20,000 different issues. Oh, yeah. And so it is a problem that large. But precisely because it's a problem that large, that's what you want to dedicate a monstrous amount of time and energy if you are a government, if you are private organizations dealing with, if you are anybody, you know, that's a... That's priority number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Maybe by the time we get down to 15, we can be concerned with something else, you know? But it's like, how about we start with the things that make life on earth possible? That's a good start. Later, we can add things, you know? But I find it weird that that's not the case. Because again, to me, it's like, this is not in my own weird political things that I'm... I am on that side of the spectrum, so I care about this issue. This is an everybody's issue. No, and I think it's another one of those where the majority, for sure, and probably like 80% of folks would easily agree that this is beyond important, but you're not the ones making the money from the tuna boat, so I don't think you really get to vote. I guess that's how it is. I don't know. There's a there's a dark day coming. Someone, speaking of tuna boats, somebody, I can't even mention who mentioned it, but along the way, Telling the story that in every bodega, in every little city in the world, these cans of tuna show up. And when that goes away, the main source of protein for the earth is gone. That becomes a problem, yeah. And it's not going to repopulate itself. Nope. And I don't know. You th- Soylent green. They are beating people. If you guys have never watched like these super old sites. <laughs> Like yeah. it's people. Yeah, it's soil. Was it the title of the movie Soil and Green? Oh yeah, it? yeah. It was the superfood that was going to save everybody. Well, and then all the old people started vanishing. That's coming up. It's funny. We were talking on the next podcast about for the good of all. Yeah. And I think the reason we can never achieve that is because people have different opinions of what that good is. Well, but that's exactly my point. Is these. Should not be an opinion. Argue, but even in that case, like like you said, the guy that's got one percent of the uh Danish money money, yeah, he don't give a shit. Yeah, very short because to me it's like if I have all the money in the world, I kind of would like to continue having a world in which I have all the money. I would like to in order for that to happen, I need to be able to keep breathing, and my descendants need to be able to keep breathing and have food and doesn't matter, you know, again, otherwise you are the one who, you got to sit on the Iron Throne, congratulations, and everyone around you is dead, and you're about to die too. What's the point? I don't know. Well, on that happy note, I'll I'll read you a couple of other, when I watch Game of Thrones, the, I don't, not the books, when I, when I watch the actual show, I I regularly pause the episodes to say, stop, 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 let me jot down this note, because this is written, some of the dialogues are unparalleled good writing and some of the stories are brilliant so here is a dialogue between Jamie Lannister and Bronn Jamie referring to the dragons if she decides to use them to really use them Bronn well then you're fucked Jamie don't you mean we are fucked Bronn no I don't dragons are where our partnership ends (laughs) (laughs) she thought he was genius in another one perfect uh, Jon Snow and Daenerys. Jon Snow, you aren't gone long. Daenerys, no. Jon Snow, and, meaning, what happened? Daenerys, and I have fewer enemies today than I did yesterday. That's a way to uh, convey a message right there. It's funny, I was hearing that um, 
AT&T, I think, has bought HBO. Mm-hmm. And so the head of AT&T has their HBO people that he now owns. And, like, you know, all we need is um, five or six or seven Sopranos and, and Game of Thrones. Uh, sure. So if you could get those together for next season, that this is nice. going to be no problem. Yeah, of course. Easy to do. Wow. Why do they only release one at a time? They're so greedy like that. It's going to be something. It definitely is. Now, Tyron Lannister was a never-ending source of good advice. Yeah. Also tell us something that may have helped a couple of dictatorships throughout history. Maybe it would have been good advice before getting started with Stalinism or Nazism or things like that. Tyron Lannister. If we want to create a new and better world, I'm not sure deceit and mass murder is the best way to start. Which called me crazy, but I tend to agree. And along those lines, Sansa Stark. Now, I'm sure cutting off heads is very satisfying, but that's not the way you get people to work together. Well, <laughs> some of the time, but... Yeah, I guess they were hammering on the same team, because then I swear I shut up with the quotes, but this is a good one, too. Um, Tyrion. She gave Tarly a choice, a man who had taken up arms against her. What else could she do? The other guy. Well... Maybe not burn him alive along with his son. It's like, I can see yeah, the point. Would, That's There's always options. Yeah. Well, on that happy note, I think we're done ranting. Yeah, I'm ranting now. One thing that happened that's kind of cool lately is that um, after doing a little martial arts with me, you know, she was exposed to martial arts a lot, of course, because of me, Savannah and everything, but nobody ever pushed her because I always felt, you know, everybody was like, oh, is she training this and that? I'm like, no, because unless she wants to do it, dragging a kid to the thing that you enjoy and then it's a sure way to make them hate it. Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't really want to. You know, she'll come with me one day to judo. She'll be like, okay, and then... Leave it at that. And so I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Just when she's comfortable. And then she started wanting to play at home with me. And so I started teaching stuff. So she was comfortable. Just me and her were playing 10, 15 minutes and add a little bit. Until eventually decided that she was down to trying, um, to trying a class. Spinning back kick? Oh. Yeah, well, that too. But uh, to actually go in class with other kids. And so we went to check out this uh, Taekwondo school. Because the thing is, it's funny, man. It's like... Even Eddie Bravo is like top jujitsu game. His kid is in Taekwondo, which is why Taekwondo is those guys have worked it to a science, the pedagogy for kids. Really? They do it in a way that like the first time I went and probably the second, third and fourth to watch her do it, I was blown away by these guys because they have it down. They know exactly what they are doing to keep a group of 20 little monsters to pay attention, to be focused, to stay with discipline without turning into Nazis because that's important. Because, you know, it's like if you yell at everybody, they'll pay attention, but you create a place that nobody wants to go to. Of course. They are strict enough that the wilder kids have to stay in line, but they also do it with a lot of... like. I give you an example. Things that I always thought were silly, like all the screaming and yelling in martial art class. I was like, what's that about? And with kids, 
when they are like, okay, let it out. Let it out. They are A, expressing stuff that probably is bottled down inside, but also suddenly changes the energy in the room. Everybody's pay attention when you have the loud noise that goes off and you have to make as well. And I was like, that's not a dumb technique, actually. It has nothing to do with martial arts. It's to do with focus. And so I was like, okay, I dig that. And then, you know, they, a bunch, so everything else they were doing, I was like, this thing is genius. For kids as an entry level, this thing is brilliant, right? So, Isa, tell us your experience with Taekwondo so far. What do you think? Uh, all I can really say is that it's fun and I am tempted to kick a kid. Why do you want to kick a kid? Because he's really annoying. That's not ground. You're not giving good publicity to Taekwondo. You know, we teach them to be more responsible and disciplined <laughs> and the value of personal growth in martial arts. I want to kick a kid. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, you evil bully. What's going on there? We're supposed to. Well, I know that part is good. The fact that See? in uh, in Taekwondo class, if you do want to kick a kid, that's probably the one place where you can. Absolutely. So I think that's the See? yeah. If you really have to kick a kid, that's probably the right context. Not a big deal. But uh, <laughs> out in the world, it might be a tiny bit. Of yeah, bit. that may be a little worse. There's right? a lot of grumpy mamas out there, and be like, hey. Yeah, they may not be so fond of that. But one thing she did the other day is. Um, so you want to tell how, what happened with the kid on YouTube and your splits? Of how so. I did a... Wait, 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 time out. The story <laughs> has to start earlier. The star, story starts with Isabella seen. I show her on YouTube this video of this, I think it's Chinese kid, Asian kid. Um, super strong, doing one-handed push-ups, doing this amazing cartwheel tricks, uh, kicking like a god, you know, clearly this sort of, kid... Sort of how you start your day. Huh? Sort of how you start your day. Exactly, right? That's the proper way to... And at one point I show her this image of the kid doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing of just putting one foot on one leg, one foot on... I'm sorry, one foot on a chair, one foot on another chair, and then doing the splits with nothing holding him up other than having his feet on each chair. And I'm like, wow, check out that kid. And this goes... I can do that. And I'm like, no, you can't. There's no way you can do that. That's just not going to happen. And she's like, yes, I can. I'm going to try right now. And what happened? So right before I took the shower, I took two chairs, spread them out as far as I could that could actually be possible for my legs to go, used my hands to steady to bring my legs up, then let go. And I told him to look of what I was doing. And he was pretty freaking impressive. I'm going to put it up on the, as the cover for this episode. Because uh, actually, I think once you failed first, and I was like, you see, see what happened? And you were like, no, 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 give me a minute. Let me do it. <laughs> and you climb back on. And before I turned around, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So that was some serious discipline. It looked horribly painful. Yeah, I I think I would rather fight three UFC fighters at the same time than... And how do you get down from that position? Fall forward on your hands? <laughs> no, I think you put your hands on the chair so you can start lifting yourself oh. up a little bit and then you get your legs under yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about that one. Yeah, I don't think that's... Yeah, I think it's safe to say that none of us are ever going to do it. It's nice to see her do it, yeah, but... well done. Yeah. So we'll have to live vicariously through your awesome athletic accomplishments. High five. Good job. Thank you. 
Sweet. Also, I can do one-handed push-ups too. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, <laughs> go to your room. Do whatever you need to do. We need to keep recording. <laughs> okay, part two. So this is a philosophical one. Is we're talking now in our up. up I think I'm gonna be able uh, the third try. I'm gonna be able to say that word. Part two, take three. Upbringing. Ah, yes, yes I manage. Uh, the way she's raised. Yes, I think I can say that better. Is. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, to put it in Taoist term, yang energy. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, watching Conan and revenge movies and everything else. It's the other day, Savannah comes home and she sees us telling a story to each other. It's like, what terrible battle revenge stories are you guys telling each other? We're like, no, it's about picking flowers for your grandma. It's, you're like, of course, in the middle of some battle revenge story, right? <laughs> And, you know, one of the results is that she ends up being pretty assertive, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but also with that goes a certain energy that's a little more angry, ready to lash out, ready to... So there's something there. And, uh, you know, she has also a yin side that's more creative and sweet and sensitive. Like, she loves making up stories. She loves storytelling. She loves more creative things. She's very artistic. But there's definitely also a... A bit of an angry vibe. Now, yang is not wrong, yin is not wrong, but a balance is needed. And um, and so I try to figure out, okay, I do feed you a lot of yang stuff. I need to figure out, I need to do the other side. And so I started telling her some stories, and I don't know, we may have even used them on the podcast or not. There are a couple of Zen stories that I use that are pretty sweet. So let's go into a couple of Zen stories. Excellent. One is, uh, I, I'm actually almost sure we used this one once. The good old Ryokan was a Zen master who uh, is living in a hut somewhere. And uh, this thief arrived to rob him, except that by the time he looks around the hut, he's like, yeah, there's nothing in here. What do I make of it? <laughs> in that moment, Ryokan arrives and finds the thief in there. Not and he's stealing like, anything. I'm so sorry, you probably came a long way to be able to grab something from me. So here, he takes off his robes and hand his clothes and saying, please, take something. to come. If you, I'm sure you have come a long way, your family needs it, go ahead and take it. And then he sits outside of his hut, stare at the moon, it's beautiful full moon, and he's like, hmm, I wish I could have given him this beautiful moon, right? So... Point being... And probably froze to death. Yeah, that's not the Conan Albashi Skolin because he walked into my house. Is this ultra-sweet kind of vibe, right? Or another one involves Zen Master Linchi. His, um, the tale goes that some, some young woman near a neighbor of his um, is, is pregnant... The parents are not all too happy. They start bossing around with who's the father, we are not married, how scandalous. And at one point she keeps trying not to say, not to say, not to say, and then she named Linchi. And everybody thinks Linchi is this wise, great spiritual Zen teacher. Everybody loves him, has a great reputation, and so the parents are furious. Months later, they, when the baby is born, they go with the baby, they hand him to Linchi and say, How could you? This is terrible what you have done. You call yourself the Zen master. You are this. That's not the only master he is. And, uh, and Linchi's reply to all this thing is, Is that, is that so? so? 
right? So that story, right? So yeah. we go into this whole, like, basically no reacting thing. Like, his reputation is ruined. He doesn't give a crap. He raises this kid. He's good to the kid. Eventually, the young woman can keep it anymore and tells the truth to the parents that she actually had this fling with this uh, boy working at the fish market and, you know, young teenagers kind of story. Oh, my goodness. And the parents are like, oh, my God, we yelled at the Zen teacher. This is terrible. They go to him. They apologize 50,000 times before asking for the kid back. And uh, Lin Chi is like, is that so? You know, the idea being the point they are trying to hammer on is that notion of being able to be unaffected by other people's opinions, by other people's perceptions of who you are, by fame, by reputation, just kind of taking it in, going, interesting point of view, yeah, thanks. You're going to think what you're going to think anyway, not going to change your mind. So both stories are emphasizing that stuff, right? One is in ultra kindness to the point of being weird, the other one being ultra letting go of things to the point of being weird. And and this was like, look, I like these stories. These are cool stories. I dig them. But these are too in. They are the equivalent of Conan. You know, if Conan is too young and is too blood and drink out of, get, make the skull of your enemy your goblet that you drink wine from, this is a little too much the other way. <laughs> and what she was saying is, I get both, I like both, but I wouldn't mind to find actually some more balanced inspirational models, somebody who can be tough and assertive while also possessing this more yielding kind of Zen quality. And I was like, oh yeah, and it is, and I'm like, yeah, good question, because most of the archetypes are one way or the other. You're a hero or a heel. Right? And, or you are one kind of hero, right? You are the action hero with staff and these, or you are the peaceful Zen monk who flow with the clouds. Having both at the same time, I was like, oh man, you're right. It's, there's not that much stuff out there that I can say, let's watch this movie. Like, for example, one thing that she likes watching that has that a little bit for kids. You ever seen the, the cartoons uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender? I am familiar with it, yes. Yeah, they made a crappy movie out of it, but the cartoons are really good, Yeah, right? They are very... They are actually, by the way, for the, you guys listening, if you have kids and you want to introduce them to kind of Eastern, Taoist, Buddhist idea, it's an awesome introduction. Yeah, the movie was terrible. The movie is beyond terrible. It's like, do not watch at any cost. But, um, but the TV series, the, the cartoons are brilliant, right? M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, that's what he did, exactly. And he turned it in. Yeah, but... Um, little kid with the arrow on the head and he's got air powers and his friends have various capacities but yeah. he's the most powerful of them all and yeah yeah and it's sweet it's a cute show and it has a little it has martial arts but it's also sweeter kinder mellower so that's an interesting one okay it's not but i'm like there has to be more you know there has to be and i'm sure there are a few but it's you have not to search. I mean, that just kind common of thinking, you know, rambo no jesus no, no. i mean no. Yeah, it's a ping pong game. It's like Yang, Ultra Yang, Ultra Yin, Ultra Yang. It's like. Wow, it was not John Zwick. No, no, no. By the way, on that note, <laughs> is the, um, I just gave to Savannah and my mom, because they both dug it, a t shirt with uh, Keanu Reeves' uh, John Zwick image. Did you see that one? You kill my dog, I kill you. Or oh, so that's another one. Oh. They, they, they did more than one. This one was like, it's a sweet, be kind to animals underneath, or I will kill you. Yeah. 
And I was like, okay, that seems fitting, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think in that sense, we're lacking good balance archetypes. Most of the archetypes we have, they may be awesome, but they are extremely one-sided and very unbalanced. Most of the great stories, they are not built around characters that are particularly well-balanced. I can't think of any. Definitely it's not Beowulf. Nope. It's not the Helena Troy. Nope. It's not none of the old stuff. All of that stuff is the ultra yang, yeah. right? The aggressive stuff. Uh, my revenge. 300 kind of thing. You yeah. know, I love it, but that's one style. The opposite is the zen, mellow, peace, flowy one. But who wants to watch the notebook? And also, who has both? You know, who's got both sides to it? That's not the easiest. Uh... I'm going to have to contemplate this one a little bit. Now. I'm sure that some people right now listening are like, I got it. And there are, I'm sure there are examples. Yeah. Okay. There are, no doubt. But not that many. That's my point here. It's not that there are none. Uh, even though right now we're drawing a blank for the most part, it's not that there are none. It's that there are few. And so in some way, even like the super cheesy Kung Fu TV series from the 1970s, David Carradine, all of that, it had, uh, it was trying to do that, right? In a cheesy kind of way, but it's sweet because it's trying to combine those two archetypes in a way that's interesting. Most stuff out there is not. And so I think an interesting challenge for human beings would be to create archetypes like that well i think it's a good time for it because i'm i don't really get that entertained with these movies where it's just two guys beating the hell out of each other for right especially the ones where clearly you have been killed by that third punch right all right and it just goes on and on yeah into the wall and over the window and it's yeah it gets old even for me and i like fighting it's old yeah and they just seem to ramp it up even more all the time it's reached a point where it's funny it goes all the way back i think it goes back to james cameron's aliens Mm mm-hmm because that was like this great balance of every step of the way, and then it got worse. Yeah. And then it got worse. And now they kidnap the people, but they're alive. Yeah. But the thing's going to blow up in 10 minutes. And da, 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 da. But everybody's just copied that now. Of course. So everything is stacked up and like impossible odds. And yeah. I tell you what it makes me the most crazy is uh, the kids were watching, I guess, the second Guardians of the Galaxy, which is all sort mm. of silliness to begin with. But it's always... Their little ship is being chased by 10,000 ships, but somehow not a one of them can get a shot off. Yeah, of course. Like, come on. Yeah, we're not that foolish. Yeah, lack of realism doesn't help, for sure. And I'm saying it is Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't have to be that realistic. Of but course. let's at least not make the odds so insane that, you know... Or even the Jurassic Park. They almost chomp you, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. always... Like, this dinosaur would have torn all of you apart. It's just... It just gets ridiculous. I mean, there is a suspension of disbelief. I understand that. Sure. But when it goes so far that, well, we know nothing's going to happen to the hero. Right. Yeah, th- that's definitely one thing that makes you snap out of stories because you're like, okay, yeah, I, like, can we fast on. forward to the end of this scene where I know nothing bad is going to happen to Exactly. Well, not in Game of Thrones because everybody no. dies. But I think that's why we like it so much. Probably. I still have flashbacks to the Red Wedding. Right, because you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Did not see that coming. But I think the other thing is in terms of human development, and that's what I was thinking for Isabella, in terms of like you are a kid, you are growing up, you are looking for something to model after, and there really isn't that stuff, the the balanced one, the ones no. who is tough, who's strong, who's assertive, who's intense, and at the same time can be sweet and yielding and flexible and able to be... I guess they tried that a bit with Luke Skywalker. No, and I mean, in fact, 
there, there skills, are a bunch of good. little attempts, some more successful than others, yeah. but very few and far between. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is it would be nice to have that, to make that, and I talk about, you know, for people who create story, for people who are the screenwriters, for people who are the storytellers, for people who are... You have a writing assignment. Yeah, seriously. Figure out, create better archetypes in that regard because the ones that we have are awesome in a very one-sided kind of way. And granted, in telling stories, sometimes one-sided characters are helpful because there's the fatal flow that goes with being so one-sided as well as the power, so I get it. There's something cool about it. But that ability to bring it back to a healthier place is something that human beings badly need because as much as I love Conan, I'm not going to go out with my sword and just pummel my neighbors into submission and drink out of their skull. Not this week, at least. Exactly. Or, you know, and I'm not going to be lynchy that if you screw up my life, I'm going to be, oh, really? Yeah. That well, is very interesting. And When you go to like, the Joseph Campbell archetypes, though, it has always been that way. Yep. I mean, and sort of that endless, like, the wrestling motifs of... The good guy gets stomped by the bad guy, and oh, at the last moment, he rises up and defeats the good guy. Unless he doesn't, that's everything. I mean, yeah. over and over again. Somebody in the middle doesn't, I don't know, maybe it's because somebody decent and happy-go-lucky and fair and, and balanced always ends up getting an axe in the head from Conan. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> that's a but, problem. Uh, but I think that's the thing. is that somebody who can handle their stuff with stuff who has that ability so it's not just this wimpy character yeah. but at the same time doesn't have to be this stereotype of muscles and uh, i will break you kind of thing you know perhaps king arthur when things were going well but right. then, it, then it falls apart then it's so, all right yeah there's camelot only goes for so long on that happy note by the way isabella and i with you know me and my with with the good nine-year-old we just watched 300 the other night so Ooh. you know something very well balanced and very yin and sweet and well xerxes had it coming so. yeah fucking xerxes <laughs> that movie by the way is funny because i watched both 300 and the follow-up yeah Follow-up wasn't bad. All the special effects were there. All the action scenes were there. And I don't remember one scene from it. Good, because I, I don't either. Whereas, I, I remember enduring it, but... Because there's no epic. Yeah. You know, the thing that made the first 300 very interesting was the epic quality. Because yeah. otherwise it's cheesy and weird and funny. And But it's the thing that makes it relevant is that it has those moments where you're like, wow, some of the dialogue here is just on point. Yeah. Some of the... The second one is kind of like Conan without the epic, more. what's the point, you know? And it's, they were serving it up. I mean, everyone pretty much knows how it's going to end for these guys. Yep. So those are like, even those early moments when they're leaving, saying goodbye to everybody. You, yep. We all know, yep. even though they don't realize, this is it. So there's some great stuff to that. The movie I actually enjoyed a lot. Yeah, um, and that, that, I didn't mind the stylized feel of that one. I dug it. A lot, they're doing a lot with other things now that don't need that. Yeah. But that... It was great. Yep. It had a great look and definitely memorable. And what more could you want? But so maybe we'll have to make it our own uh, our own task of coming up with some amazing archetypal stories that are... I think it's a great idea. ...more balanced. Big task, because I don't know how to do it, because I've grown, I've grown up, you know, the way I've, I've grown up my... My people, here's some wine and some fishes. Now someone give me my pistol! Exactly, right? I had once... Uh, <laughs> I had developed a whole, uh, it was a, I was fairly proud of myself. I had developed this whole possible script for doing a thing with Duncan because it was supposed to be straight up comedy where we would do a thing about Jesus, the zombie hunter. It was 
awesome about Resurrection of the Dead and, you know, all of that kind well, of who stuff. who would he actually fight for? And um, The zombie, the zombie hunter. Because if you've risen from the grave... Well, he hasn't risen off the grave yet. Oh, we haven't. Oh, but so maybe was finished Exactly. Raises yes. up his uh, army of the dead, too. I had a blast with... Um, that would be actually fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember I mentioned to Duncan my concept of... Uh, the aborted Jesus raising himself in the sewers of New York. Oh. And comes. I remember that. With his it's rat revenge army. revenge time. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Duncan shied away from that one. And I, I didn't know. think that was even possible. For Duncan to shy away from that. Mr. Fleshlight can yes. chase off everybody we've ever met. I thought we'd take one and he'd be able to handle it. Right. Just, no. No that's, sale. That's funny. Have you seen Life of Brian? The, I've, uh, yeah, like a million years ago. I, would just, I think it's some sort of anniversary show that's been showing up a lot. Right. What those cats got away with? Oh yeah, is amazing. Yeah, it would be hard to do it today. Oh, I don't think. Well, I didn't know that George Harrison put all the money up. Really, I didn't yeah, know that. He either. did that a couple of time bandits as well. He put the money yeah. up for. Sweet, I did not know. He was quite a guy. Yeah. Somebody had a quote. I think I don't know a record's 50th anniversary or something. But George, um, one of the people that had so much success but somehow remained really grounded. Seem like it. That a lot of people do not achieve. That's an archetype right there. That's a good one. I like that one. That's, it was on, that's, yeah. George Harrison. Unbelievable success. Great talent. But like a cool cat that didn't mind helping his friends out. I think, did I ever tell you this story about George Harrison doing dishes? No. So, um... Beatles in 1960, super early. I forget how, 60, I forget when they peaked, but it was well, they like... They broke in 64, so that's when... It's it right before, right? When they were getting known at the local level, growing, but not yet the Beatles. Sure. They are like at a friend's of a friend's house in Italy, actually visiting, and they are at their house, and they, um, they have them over for dinner, so it's like stuff that today you would never even imagine, right? Yeah. And at one point, they are at this dinner, not quite party, but, you know, enough people hanging out and stuff, and nobody can find George Harrison anymore. And he's like, where did he go? Where did George go? And the, the person who owned the house goes around and finds George Harrison in the kitchen doing dishes for everybody. He grabbed all the dishes from the dinner party, and because he's a gracious guest, doesn't want the host to have to do everything, so he's, you have uh, one of the Beatles in the kitchen doing your dishes. Paul would have never done the dishes. I don't think too bad if he, you know, that's, that takes something weird right there. Or maybe not something weird. Maybe something we do need to achieve. I mean, that's just a gracious thing you should do. Totally. Especially Thanksgiving's next week, y'all. Well, by if, the if time. If you didn't cook oh, anything, yeah. go in there and wash some damn dishes. Right. Exactly. Why, why I always cook everything. Right. Because who <laughs> wants to put up with the dishes? Yes. Well, but you know, got to be done. Yeah, I wouldn't count on George Harrison coming to your house to do dishes. Let's put it that way. Well, he'd have to be risen by Jesus first. So that would, yeah, that would be kind of freaky. Yeah, that would be... I'm here to do some dishes for you. The walking dead meets... Mm -hmm. uh, then I'm going to eat your brain. Story time again, everybody. So, topless sword fights? There is a sword fight. It's not topless, luckily, because it involves some rather pudgy Danish guy. Ooh. But um, 
I'm not even going, you know how we make fun of the way occasionally, once in a while, you may have heard that we make fun of the way I pronounce things? Yes. You're not supposed to say yes. You're no. supposed to say what? How, who does that? Okay, try again. I, I got to write this down. <clears throat> so, as we are saying, this uh, me pronouncing everything perfectly, as I always do, I may be slightly challenged by this one name. What? How the hell do you pronounce T-Y-C-H-O? That's his first name. Tycho. Tycho? Mm-hmm. Tycho, okay. Last name B-R-A-H-E. You're talking astronomer now. I'm talking astronomer. If you are an American person, it's Brahe. Okay. But if you're like a surfer dude, it's Bra. I like Both to, are acceptable. I like to think of him as Brahe. The way he's a Bra for a manly man. That's Something a bro. like that. Is that how it is? In huh? Seinfeld, so. they invented bras for, for men with, with too big of boobs, and it was called the bro. Yeah, case, this dude <laughs> will be now known as TB because I refuse to call him by his name. Or Tycho, fine. Let's call him Tycho. That, that works. So the guy is, um, was born in Denmark in the 1500s, and he's one of the weirdest scientists ever in history because some of, you know, granted, yeah, he did, he was renowned for some scientific discovery. He discovered the supernova in 1572. He got into these heated fights with Galileo Galilei over astronomy. So it was interesting, you know, I'm sure he was a fine scientist and all, but that's definitely not what we're going to remember him today. We remember him because he's weird. Not only, he was born in this ridiculously wealthy family. It's estimated that at one point he personally owned 1% of the, all of the money in Denmark, was all, which is, I'll take That'd it today. Right. I'll take 1% of all the money in Denmark right now. Yeah. But um, it is where the story gets interesting. So at one point, while he's drunk, he gets into a fight with some other fellow nerd where they challenge each other to a duel. They pull out the swords and good old Tycho loses his nose in a duel that supposedly, as legend has it, started over an argument over algebra. I don't want to know what that means because it sounds weird enough. But... I'm telling you, man, X equals two, goddammit. <laughs> the hell it does. Get the sword. So this isn't a topless sword fight. This is a noseless. Yes. This yes. is some Tyrion Lannister stuff going on. Absolutely. There. So, boom, right there. And you think that's the best about this guy? We haven't even gotten warmed up. This is, uh, it is where it gets better. My all-time favorite, well, besides the fact that he creates, of course, being a scientist, he creates this nose replacement, something to attach to where his nose used to be so that he doesn't go completely noseless <laughs> for the rest of his life. That's fine and all. I'm sure nobody would notice that either. Oh, nobody at all. The unnoticeable nose. Clearly, but here is where the, by the guys start getting good. The, um, he hired as uh, he hired a psychic dwarf. Not making this up, psychic dwarf as his uh, personal court court jester in some versions, or just as a hey, I need a psychic, and this dwarf happened to be amazing, and he lives uh, under my stairwell. Okay. So he had. Nice place if you're a dwarf, I suppose. Yeah, and he would just uh, eat under the table during each meal, so he would be among his uh, guests' legs when he was, like, I don't even want to start hey, with so that. move over, right. there's a dwarf coming. Exactly, that's just, not just the dwarf, mind you, because the dwarf, sure, 
that it, but a psychic dwarf. That's when it gets well, interesting. Well, he knew it was coming. Most definitely did. <laughs> Still not the best about this dude. Best, uh, you know, sword fight over algebra. Weird. We check that box. Psychic dwarf as his uh, roommate. We like that. That's not bad. But it is where it gets the best. One of his most... Um, he's mainly renowned for his taste in pets. Apparently, he did not have a vicious dog like the ear present Azog the Defiler. He had, uh, he had a moose as a pet. A moose. Uh, that lived with that's him. That's not going to fit under the table very well. Not under the table. That was occupied by the dwarf. Okay. But he still hang out with him all the time. And he managed to tame the moose, I guess, when he was little or something. So he figured, why not? Well, with our moose, all f- because it's not weird enough to have a moose as your pet, he also happened to share one of his hobbies with his moose, which is drinking beer. So he and this moose got together and drink prodigious amount of beer on a fairly regular basis. Cause, Did you the old dwarf get to drink too? Because, yeah, I, I'm not sure about our psychic dwarf, but definitely, you know, it's like, what are you doing today? Oh, nothing. I, I'm a little busy because I have to have a bunch of beer with my psychic dwarf and my pet moose. What could possibly you know, go wrong? Well, maybe I'll get too drunk and I get into a fight over algebra and lose my nose. Oh. That could be bad. I've done that before. That's not fun. I just, you know, I guess having 1% of the wealth in Denmark was helpful because it'd have to be a big house. I can't, I don't think a, a moose would fit very well in this room. Probably not. And that's part of the problem of indoor moose with beer drinking is yeah. that one day, good old Tycho brings his moose to the house of a nobleman who wants to, to show everybody the tame moose and it's kind of fun and they all think he's hilarious. So they all give a bunch of beer to the moose to drink. Moose diarrhea. You wish. The moose gets wasted by drinking way too much beer and uh, at one point start he's climbing on the castle stairs and because he's overly drunk misses some steps start tumbling down and dies as a result of drunkenness and fall down the stairs i'm not making any of this up i wish i did because my fantasy would be insane if i could pull this off but apparently all of this is supposed to be true wow i wonder if everybody was like bro yeah, it's like, now you only have a psychic dwarf, you're basically square. You no longer have a beer-drinking pet moose. That seems like a problem in a lot of... Who's got to get that out of the house? Yeah, that's got to be... Get some geometry going for that, and that's going to start a whole new set of fights. I know, so many duels based on how to properly move the moose out of the house. And maybe his noselessness enabled him to withstand the stench of the drunk moose. Or, Some poor bastard had to clean up after that all day, every day. Or maybe probably they decided, hey, there's dinner for the party right now. Yeah. So start, get your fork and knife, fresh moose with soaked in beer. Exactly. It's already ready to go. You don't got to worry about getting any, uh, any uh... oh, good God, Rich. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I think, oh, good God, Rich is the comment about this story more than anything. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else I can give to that. Yeah, this is just uh, so... So the king of planetary motion had a pet moose that liked to drink, and they would t- carry it around to show off to his fellow noble friends. Yes. And he got drunk and fell down the stairs. Yes. Uh, something that apparently the psychic dwarf did not foresee, so maybe he got fired over it because he's like, how did you not tell me that my moose was going to die? get so drunk as to die? The drunken moosest. Yeah. 
Well, I'm slipping on my asbestos gloves and I'm opening up the digital mailbag and all these red hot inquiries in here. And I'm going to pull it. How about this one? Oh, there's a nice one. Play with Mr. Skippy Dunder on Twitter. Send us the following question. Well, one of them involves Mr. Miyamoto Musashi, the, one of the most famous samurai ever in history. And there's a passage in there where Musashi, in, uh, you know, he wrote the Book of the Five Rings, and which has become kind of a cult classic, even in people who don't even train martial arts. It's just as a philosophical idea. One of the things that Musashi says is that he, he developed other talents. He was a painter, a sculptor, a carpenter, a poet. He did a bunch of other things. He right? was a renaissance man where there was no renaissance. Correct, because he killed it. Because that's oh. basically what he's famous for also, is just killing a whole lot of people. Oh. But um, yeah, that's, uh, there would have been a renaissance if it wasn't for Musashi who killed it all, so he could be the only one to... <laughs> no one will paint better than me. Exactly. Now, one of the things that, um, in the question he's asking, he says, according to a biography I read, Musashi claimed that he accomplished all of these things with his martial art. What does this even mean? What do you think about it? Well, what Musashi is saying, I forget the exact quote even because it got to be translated very differently from one source to the next. But basically what he's going for is that there really is just one way to master in anything, right? He did it through the sword. I think one of his things was like, I mastered the way of the sword, and from there I mastered everything else. The idea, not that because you learn how to swing a sword, that that makes you a great uh, plumber or that makes you a great cardiologist, is you learn what it means to become a master at something and you start seeing the same principles they apply in different fields. Now, you still have to acquire the specific knowledge to that field to be able to apply the principles. It's not that because you understood uh, jujitsu, now you can write on Game of Thrones and be amazing at it, you know? But the point is some principles are universal. Like practice. That for sure. Like ultimately in many ways is a lot of what Taoism is about is showing you the principles and then you apply them to whatever field you're into yeah and this is tied to something else that he brings up that he say you know I see that there are all these um, you know the term Bushido meant kind of the way of the warrior and it became more of a level uh, yeah romanticized version as it that this was this long-standing tradition it's more of a 1800s kind of thing that pop up as a thinking about what it meant to be a samurai but like there were all these other quote-unquote the though meaning not as in do something as in like the way because uh, like in japanese the word do is like the same as tao in chinese right so it's this idea that there is, uh, you know, Bushido is Bushi's warrior, fighter, and though is the way off. Uh, there were a bunch of other. The idea, and that's a classic Zen idea, is that there's a way to everything. There is a way to master in flower arrangement. There's a way to master in poetry. There's a way to master in... There are all these different, though. But once you understand one of them it's so much easier to understand all the others because all you have to add is the specific technical knowledge of that other field. But you have already, hopefully, if you aren't dumb about it, you have, you have understood the principles that are what makes you effective at something. 10,000 hours of practice. There's definitely that. <laughs> and then, you know, the same kind of thing that Taoism emphasizes, you know, is like sometime... Uh, there's a balance between hardness and softness. There's a balance between, you know, how hard you push and how much you need to learn how to be yielding. 
that applies to fighting, that applies to cooking, that applies to every single thing you do is that yin-yang balance that you learn how to do. And, uh, and I think that's what Musashi was hinting when he was talking about this, you know. And, and that's where, in some sense, the whole Renaissance person is. You just learn a very specific technical skill in one field, but once you understood how you learn, then you can really just put some time into something else, not nearly as much as somebody who didn't understand the principles and then got all the goodies out of it, you know. Clearly easier said than done, but also not so crazy because it's like learning is learning, you know, the same ideas apply in many different fields. No, that's absolutely correct. That makes perfect sense. So in Musashi's case, is particularly odd because when you go from killing people in duels to being a sensitive poet, that strikes Sam as a little odd, but... Most of you guys would probably not be that extreme, but still, it's... Um, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, that would be troublesome. I got into cooking. I burned all my eggs, so I killed everyone! Of course. That that would be the Musashi approach. See, he should have backed off and learned that less heat, that would happier have, egg. That may have worked quite a bit better, right? <laughs> one thing that's the end of another fine episode of the drunken Taoist podcast i thought that went well yes indeed the good times so shall we say thank you to the nice folks who donated to us absolutely let's do that let the pottering begin this month we got michael allen jonathan waterloo stephen mckee samuel mcnichol Thank you, guys. Thank you thank so much. You, and you, don't you. don't be afraid to join your your, your, your fellow listeners in a little donation at the donation button there on the Drunken Taoist website. We're, it's easy to click. We're most definitely not opposed to you sharing a few bucks with us. No. We do not mind. You know, it's getting to be the holiday season, and I can't help but mention that if you have a bratty nephew or niece that you want to give a present to that they may not like but it might be good for them kiva gift cards 25 bucks the child gets to give a loan to somebody else teaching them a valuable lesson that um what goes around comes around they can give the money to somebody who needs something the money comes back and they can loan it again and if they don't want to they can just cash it out either way lesson learned so go to kiva.org, join the over 200 people of your fellow Drunken Taoist listeners that have given over $100,000 in loans over the past five years, which thanks to all of you guys for that. No, that's nuts. That's awesome. And it's an easy thing to do. They'll send it right to them. They can print it out. There's a lot of ways for it to be delivered. And, uh, you know, one less thing on your list. And really, does that kid really need another bobble of any kind at all? Let's teach some lessons of being kind to other people for Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever the hell you're into. Uh. Check you out. Yeah. Fuck. Festivus for the rest of us was the one on uh, Seinfeld, if you remember. You're on a roll, There was man. a great moment where it was time for the airing of grievances, which would have been the last Festivus ever at our house, because I can't imagine if everybody had it each other, it would be too ugly. Probably wouldn't tap it a second time. There would yes. be some grievings for sure. Anyway, I'm sure there's somebody else. Um, Amazon. If you guys are doing Christmas shopping, please use our Amazon link. Um, it's there. It helps us. I shall say no more. Please do it. Um, glorious 
epic rush guard designed by savannah at nevertapgear.com link in the, in the episode notes is beautiful if you're all jujitsu or if any other activities for which you may need a rash guard check it out and what if you needed a knee brace for your ever aging knee totally which i do i'm wearing currently three knee braces even though i only have two knees because i like having extra support in one of them That's, and where he wears the third so, one you'll never guess yes crazy. you don't want to know but uh <laughs> yes nevertapgear.com um how can we not say thank you to blue chew the people who keep blue us uh, well that blue that chew. whatever blue follows chew. after that is blue a dangerous chew. sentence blue because is what you gonna do without your blue chew glorious oh, we got even uh, this is how good this stuff is you'll it's be lonely got, and blue without your blue chew you got even the richer singing uh, ad in his spare time for Jing- Jingle Mania, man. Just yeah. all that driving time. All I can have to do. I can't wait to take another one. Glorious for your sex life. That's all we're going to say. No, actually, that's not what we're going to say because also it's chewable. So it goes in your system way faster than traditional pills. Works like a charm. You do have uh, ED issues. It's great. You do not have uh, such problems, but you do like to make things even better, and that works just as well. So yep. check them out. Turn it up two notches for the holiday season. Yes, indeed. So Blue Chew, we are fans. Did you ever hear the old George Carlin joke, why no one ever gets laid for Thanksgiving? No, what was that? All the coats are on the bed. That's probably, that's what happening, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, with the blue shoe, just to remember, uh, promo code DRUNK, D-R-U-N-K, uh, $5 for shipping. You get to try it for free. Not a bad gig. You'll be back. Yes. Um, coming up real soon is a Black Friday sale for, for a Monnit. So check them out at Onnit Black Friday sale. If you just Google that, it's all going to pop up with the right website and you get humongous discounts on Onnit products. So if there's stuff that you've wanted to try but is a little too expensive for you, well, it's not for Black Friday. So if, check them if, out. If you're looking something for your lady for Christmas, go to suredesigntshirts.com because they have bracelets and earrings and all sorts of kind of nicely priced things if you're looking for a bobble that's not going to break the bank. Plus, hundreds of different t-shirts in all different sizes, long sleeve, short sleeve, hooded, uh, and designs. How many designs do you think they have? 50, 60, 70 for each one? From from mushrooms to onks to Buddhas to, to Ganeshes. They've got a lot of great stuff to help you celebrate your own freaky freak flagness. I like it. That was a great read for sure design because it's indeed exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. The, um, what else? Datsusara, great hemp gear. One of the coolest for people who care about the environment, as everybody should. Absolutely. That's uh, hemp well, for victory. Yes, that's where the important priorities are. Anything else we need to mention? Our friends at Daisy House for the fine, epic Drunken Taoist theme song, which is just a great piece of music. And Doug and company, we sure appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can check them out at bandcamp.com slash daisyhouse. They've got five or six records. And you know what? Go buy a single. It's a dollar. Help these folks out. They've done us a favor. And I think it really is sort of like a signature thing that we have. Most definitely. Wildly appreciated. Yeah. And uh, I did mention already, I lost the page right now with the ad, so I don't have it, but I did mention in the open some sweet folks who have sent us coffee. So check them out as Snowroast. I believe it's snowroast.com, but again, I've mentioned it in the open and the link is in the episode notes. So check them out and there's a discount code if you drink coffee. 
With all that, would you dare to say that we're done? Can't be anything else left. Right. Thanks for listening to the ads. And hey, go check a couple of them out because they do help us keep the wheels spinning. Most definitely. See, See you good. next time. <laughs>